everyone. Welcome tonight, Monday, February 20th, 2023. Amanda Grace here with you. Hello to all of you coming on. Hello to those on Rumble as well. We cannot, I kind of can't see the chat going on in Rumble as it's going on. We do have people that look at it, but hello to those watching on Rumble. Thank you. Hello to those in the U.S. and all over the world watching. God bless you. Hello and Baruch Hashem to our brothers and sisters out there, our Jewish brothers and sisters. Praise be to God. Hello to our moderators and our Ark of Grace team. Thank you for helping us do what we do for the Lord. We've got a lot to cover tonight, and so you're not going to see her, but Nicole is in the back office here, <laughs> and she's going to be helping us because... Uh, this is going to, we're going to go deep with this. So for those of you who like deep, well, this is the broadcast for you then. So hello to everyone jumping on right now. I see a lot of other people are starting to come on. So let's open up in prayer. I know I got the leopard print. On. Isn't that stereotypical? The New York girl with the leopard print on. So stereotypical. I know the jerseys, the Jersey girls are going to love it though, because they all, they all wear leopard print, but this is what us city Italians do. Even when we're in the country, you know, you could take the girl out of the city, but you can't necessarily take all the city out of the girl. So hello, 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 everyone. So let's open up in prayer. Grace is out. If you notice, you just flew by me in a streak in back of me. So you may see her out and about today. Oh, she's going to the food. I put food on the floor for her. So right around that area where she's walking. And uh, let me open up in prayer. And I have a few things to cover at the beginning. And then we're going to get right into what we're going to talk about tonight. So Father God, in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lord, we come before you. We praise you. You are almighty God. You are high and lifted up far above every power, principality, and might. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise due your name. Father, we humble ourselves before you this day, asking that the pull of the flesh becomes less in our lives, so you, your will, and your power become more in our lives. We acknowledge you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to the earth, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was the Passover lamb, the sacrifice for our sins. He died at Calvary. We were purchased by his stripes. We are healed. He was beaten and then nailed to a cross and died a brutal death at Calvary. And he purchased us that day back to our father in heaven. Lord, I praise you that he rose again in three days and sent it back into heaven, took his victorious rightful place at the right hand of the father where he rules and reigns forevermore. And he is our advocate. Father God, we praise you before your throne. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we invite your presence and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, to fill this place, to fill, Lord, this property, Lord, this broadcast, to lead and guide me in all wisdom, counsel, might, power, and the reverential fear of the Lord. By the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, by the spirit of the one true living God, may only the truth and power of almighty God with authority come forth in Jesus name. Father, we command in the name of Jesus Christ, every plot scheme contract assignment against us, this broadcast, any part of the ministry of our lives be broken, canceled, aborted, destroyed, dismantled, disabled, nullified, voided in the name of Jesus Christ and cast back to the dry places the pits and the areas, Lord, which you have designated to be bound there in the name of Jesus Christ and not return or have anything sent in its place. Father, take all the glory for yourself. You are the potter. We are merely the clay. Without your breath of life in us, Father God, we don't have life, Lord. 
And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Do your name. You are high and lifted up, Father God. We praise you that there is none that could even come close to matching who you are, Lord. And we praise you this day in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I wanted to, oh my goodness, the comments disappeared for a second. There they are. They're back. So I wanted to just say thank you to a few people first, and then I'm going to show you some pictures uh, from around the sanctuary this week. And we're going to get into this very deep teaching uh, that is very prophetic for this time. So this is like a prophetic teaching that is going on because there is most definitely this particular spirit that is attempting to take over America and what it is doing and its hallmarks and what is happening. Uh, This is why I think Asbury had to happen now. Now, later on in the week, I'm going to talk about Asbury because there's something very significant about what's happening there. So continue to pray for them as they continue on there. Uh, petitioning the Lord in in that it you know in this incredible just continuous uh, amount of praise that is going on on that campus. So I have to read this. This is so adorable. I love when kids send letters and pictures. And so this is from Johanna, and this is what she writes. Dear Amanda Grace, I love to listen to the stories of your animals. I am also blessed by the words of the Lord you give. Thank you for these. I am sorry for your loss of Jake the duck. I have been doing pictures of the animals. I am sending you the picture of Jake in memory of the great things God has done with this Uh, of of the memory of the great things God has done. With this letter, I am giving $40 towards helping to buy food for your chickens. With love, Johanna, and I won't say her last name. And she drew me the most beautiful picture of Jake the duck. Let me see if I can adjust this for a minute so you can see, because it's a little bright. Let me see. Oh, there we go. There's Jake. So Johanna, you did a beautiful, beautiful job. There we go of drawing Jake. It is just so precious. I absolutely love it. Jake is the one the Lord used to start everything with the sanctuary. Um, and the ministry came from there. So Johanna, thank you so much. She did put $40 for the chickens, which we put towards feeding the chickens, Johanna. They're very happy. Thank you very much. So I wanted to share that because it's just absolutely adorable when kids do that. And I used to love to draw as a kid. I can still draw, actually. A little-known fact about me is that I'm quite artistic. So when I see little kids doing this, I just have to share. Okay, two more things, and then we're going to get into this for tonight. So first of all, I have to thank – hold on. I'm sorry. I have it on the floor. Elaine, who I think is Johanna's mother – And she sent me and Chris each a beautiful blanket, and it basically says miracles happen. So thank you so much for this. We love the blankets. We will put them to wonderful use. And so thank you very much, Elaine. Also, I wanted to thank, I kept it in here because I didn't want to lose it. William. William actually made this bowl and oiled it. 
And so this is going to go in my kitchen, William. Isn't it beautiful? He made this. You're very talented, William. God bless you. Thank you for this. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, and so I just wanted to thank you as well. Okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, let me just show you uh, quickly. We have some pictures of the animals this week and things that went on with them at the sanctuary. So the first one uh, is of Chris and Wally on the left and actually Wally on the right too, taking a bath in Duchess's water bowl. Uh, so this is Chris having his morning tea. No, it did. was it in the morning? Yes, it was. It was over the weekend having his morning tea and Wally joining him. Wally actually climbed up his leg and we were able to get him on the table uh, to hang out with Chris because otherwise he was going to end up in Chris's lap. And uh, this is Wally in Duchess's water bowl um, in the breezeway having himself a bath. And so that happened over the weekend. Uh, the next two are to the left. There's Molly. She perched, uh, not Molly. That's Josie to the left, our golfing cockatoo here at the sanctuary. She perched herself on the glass door so she could get a better look at Cyrus when he was here. Uh, and so this is what she did. Uh, she does this when there is an animal she's curious about. So she perched herself on the door. And to the right is Toby and Bruce having um, a cuddle session, basically. Uh, they got, it was, I couldn't believe it. They got in the dog bed together and here they are hanging out. The infamous Bruce that everybody sees run by in a flash in our house. So that happened also over the past few days. So I just wanted to share with you those fun little moments that go on. We will be sending out and releasing more videos of the animals. I actually took some over the weekend that I'm going to be sending over uh, to be sent out. And so just keep watch for that. Okay. I think we've covered everything in that department. Now, one more thing. This Sunday, February 26, I will be speaking at Robin Bullock's church in Warrior, Alabama. Uh, and so it is going to be this Sunday that it is coming up. February Fire Church International. God is absolutely good. And so 10.45 a.m. Central Time. I will be speaking, and I'm honored that they have invited me down. I'm looking very much forward to this. I have been praying about what the Lord wants to say, so I hope to see some of you there. Boy, you know what I think? Wait till they get a load of me in Warrior, Alabama. I'm going to step off the plane, open my mouth, and they're going to look at me like an endangered species has just come out of the forest and out of hiding because they're going to be like, you are not from around here, are you? No, no, no. So this is, I'm looking forward to it though, because I've never been to Alabama. So I'm very much looking forward to this experience um, and to seeing the Bullocks and to being able to bring the word of the Lord to their church. So praise the Lord for that. Okay. I think that's it. I think we can get into the teaching now. It's not really, it's more than a teaching. This is a prophetic 
roadmap as to what the hey hey is going on. Um, we have two prophecy fulfilled because I have a lot of notes to get through. So we're going to go through this quick, but I have two prophecy fulfills. The train that derailed in Ohio that happened. We have the article actually, uh, and we can put it up. So basically this was a horrible derailment and there were hazardous chemicals and there's stuff going on in that town now because of it. And it's in, of all places, East Palestine, Ohio. Do we think that is an accident that this happens in East Palestine, Ohio? Well, on 12-8-2019, this is what the Lord said. Let me make sure I have it. Okay. So 12-8, this is, there's a few of them here I'm going to read. 12-8-2019. Yes, says the Lord, it's a runaway train and it's heading right for the cliff. For pride cometh before a fall and the haughty spirits are out in legions deceiving the councils. Just as lying spirits were sent to deceive Ahab by entering the mouths of those who were getting entitlements to lull him. So why the Lord thy God, uh, the God almighty, the unmatched and lulling those who have chosen to do the bidding of their father, the devil, right to their demise. Now, he starts with this, right? But it, something very interesting happens December 29th, 2019. And... This is what was said. So this is almost four years ago. Okay, we're going on, we're going nearing three and a half years that this word was given. December 29th, 2019. It's all going off script now. The scripts, the enemy has doled out. It's all going off script. They are derailing the train derailment. Now listen to this. The train derailment that occurred over the weekend in Cincinnati, which is in where? Ohio is symbolic of what will happen to those not only connected in Washington to the government, but churches and families, even businesses that have come after the anointed of God, the children of God, and attempted to hijack the Lord's agenda. Now, this is back in December 2019. A train derailment in Ohio happened in Cincinnati. The Lord doesn't leave Ohio. He never says it's the next one's going to be outside of Ohio. He specifically references what happened in Cincinnati. He then says, massive derailments, another train derailment, even larger is set to occur. Pray for the people. It's all going off course. It's all going off script. And so this was said, and the Lord specifically referenced the city, Cincinnati, that is in Ohio, and then said a larger is coming. Okay. And he never, ever steered us outside of Ohio when this word was given. So what he was really pointing at was a larger derailment that was coming in Ohio. So that was December 29th, 2019, when this occurred. And I know we have the, I think we have the, uh, the article for the train derailment that occurred. So I'll, here it is. Okay. Train derailment in East Palestine. So this is where it happened. Um, the fact it happened in East Palestine is symbolic. Uh, and so we need to keep a watch on that. I may go deeper into that in the weeks to come, but I figured it was worth noting. Secondly, 
Let me think about this. Okay. I'm trying to think where I want to go from here. Now we're going to go to the second prophecy fulfilled. February 10th, 2023. It was approximately 8 a.m. when I received this word from the Lord. And in it, the Lord said, there shall be miraculous rescues that come forth from Turkey, including a baby that I, the Lord, am keeping alive that shall be found. So that was 8 a.m. February 10th, 2023. This was written. At 3.19 p.m. on February 10th, I believe this story began to break. Now, it was much later in Turkey by that point, okay? So it was it was far later in Turkey when this happened. But I think we're behind on the clock. And so at 3.19 p.m. on February 10th, number 10 is important here, a 10-day-old baby on the same day this word was written was pulled miraculously from the rubble. Uh, and I know we have that article too, I think. And here it is. 10-day-old baby boy and mother rescued from rubble days after earthquake hit Turkey and Syria, 90 hours actually after. So on February 10th, a 10-day-old baby was pulled from the rubble. And I wrote that word approximately 8 a.m. in the morning. And by the afternoon, late afternoon, this story had started to break. So praise the Lord for that, that this particular little baby, uh, the Lord kept alive. Uh, and we just praise the Lord that he's okay. So we just wanted to share that also. Okay. Now, Let's move on to what we're really going to talk about tonight. This has to do with the book of Hosea, the spirit of prostitution that's attempting to take over this nation, Ishtar Semiramis, the Super Bowl, and the Grammys. This is all connected. The Statue of Liberty even gets thrown in here. So this is this goes very deep, and we have a lot to cover. And we will put the notes up on the blog for you. So it just fell in there. Come on, Hold on a second. Oh my goodness gracious. Yep. So my, my little faux fur fleece fell. Okay. So we're going to start with this because we have to kind of build this and prophetically connect the dots here because there is a spirit of prostitution attempting to take over this nation right now. This is why it is so prophetically poignant and profound that Asbury has started when it did. We'll get into that later on in the week, Asbury. We need to talk about this first. So this started when the Lord told me to go to the book of Hosea. And so I went there to the book of Hosea, and we're going to read a few excerpts from the book of Hosea, and you're going to see how this is all connected. What was going on in Hosea's time that we see happening now? Um, and then kind of build the case from here of what's happening. So it is heavy. I'm just going to warn you. This is heavy. This is meat. This is deep. Um, and I think it's needed right now. So all glory be to God. Let's start in Hosea chapter two, 
verses six through eight. We're going to jump from chapter two, I believe, to chapter four. And it says, therefore, behold, I will hedge up your way with thorns and wall her in so that she cannot find her paths. She will chase her lovers, but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then it was better for me than now. Now, the Lord is talking about him in Israel. Israel is chasing after all these lovers. They're committing spiritual harlotry. They have gone after the pagan ways. They have gone after the Baals. They have gone after the Ishtars or the uh, or the Asherahs, same, same deity under a different name. They've gone after all of these things. And so I will hedge up your way with thorns means it's going to be made more and more uncomfortable for them as they want to continue down to that, that path until it becomes so painful they want to turn around and return to Almighty God because during this time of Hosea, Israel had pretty much abandoned God and they were they were steeped in paganism. They were steeped in rituals. They were steeped in immorality. They were steeped in false idol worship. They were steeped in all of this. Uh, and so Hosea, who was a prophet of the Lord, was sent to prophesy during this time. And he says even in verse 8, of chapter two, for she did not know that I gave her grain, new wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. So here is God providing for them and they're taking that provision and they're preparing it as an offering to Baal. So this was a very egregious offense before almighty God. Now, Interestingly enough, the hedge of thorns that God talked about was meant to bring Israel to repentance. He was literally trying to allow it to become so painful so they would see the error of their ways that they would repent and then turn because you can't turn. A nation can't turn. A person can't turn without repentance. Repentance is number one. Revival is not number one. Repentance is. And then renewal, renewing hearts back to the Lord, and then revival. And people always forget about the first two steps because they want revival so bad. There are two steps that come before that, that we have to always keep in mind. So when Israel went after other gods, God is still providing for them at this point, okay? There came a point where that stopped. There came a point where that was going to dry up. There came a point where there was going to be a line in the sand, okay? Because God loved Israel, and he was trying to get Israel to turn from these things, okay? But when they took what God provided and prepared it for Baal, that is when the Lord began saying, I'm going to hedge up your way with thorns now. I'm going to make this painful because you need to repent. But he still loved them. Hosea chapter two, verses eight through 10, for she did not know that I gave her grain, new wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Verse nine, therefore I will return and take away my grain in its time and my new wine in its season. And I will take back my wool and my linen given to cover her nakedness. Verse 10, now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers and no one shall deliver her from my hand, which means he's saying he's going to expose Israel for all they are before all the other pagan nations. He's going to expose them for the turncoats that they are. 
Um, and that's why he's saying, I'm going to uncover her in the sight of her lovers and uncover her lewdness. Now, lewdness, if we want a definition for lewdness, and I'm going to do this real time because, well, it puts the scripture in proper context. And now I know what lewdness means, but I would like the proper definition here. Okay, let's see. Lewdness is indecency or obscenity, vulgar sexual character or behavior. I want you to keep that word in mind as we go forward with this, okay? The word lewdness, because it is going to come into play as we continue going down the road we're going. So he talks about her lewdness. He's going to uncover her lewdness, okay, um, in the sight of her lovers, and no one's going to deliver her from my hand. Hosea, Hosea chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. So he's going to bring her into a dry place, Israel. And then... He's going to comfort her after they have completely entered that dry place. I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of a core as a door of hope. The valley of a core is where I believe Achan took the accursed thing from Jericho. And he took it and hid it in his tent, that grave sin of Achan. I believe that happened in this area. She shall sing in there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up from the land of Egypt. Uh, okay, so. I'm going to tell you something Charles Spurgeon said in a moment, but once Israel has felt the discomfort of her deprivation, then she will listen to the voice of God once again, and he will allure her back to himself. Uh, and and Spur Charles Spurgeon says about this, this is a singular kind of power. I will allure her, not I will drive her, not even I will draw her, or I will drag her, or I will force her. No, I will allure her. It is a very remarkable word, and it teaches us that the allurement of love surpasses in power all other forces. That is how the devil ruins us. He tempts us with honey words, sweet utterances, with the baits of pleasure and the like, and the Lord in mercy determines that. In all truthfulness, he will outbid the devil and he will win us to himself by fascinations, enticements, and allurements, which shall be stronger than any force of resistance we may offer. This is a wonderfully precious word. I will allure her. Now, that's a very profound quote by Charles Spurgeon because the devil does the same thing with nations and with people, except when God does it, it is holy and it is pure and it turns a nation back to righteousness. It turns people back to righteousness. It brings them to repentance where the devil's type of allure speaking sweet honey words is to literally bring you into chains and bondage. It is the sweetness that leads to bondage. It is not the sweetness of God that leads to freedom, okay? And that's the difference between how they use allure, God and the devil. Now, I'm, re I'm just so you know, I'm reading from the New King James Version. 
uh, of the Bible. I believe it's the New King James that we are using, just so you know. I happen to like the New King James. There are other versions I use, too. I also have an interlinear Bible. I suggest you get yourself one uh, because that is the direct, direct translation. Uh, so we use that also. But for these purposes, we're using the New King James Version. Okay, moving on. It was the Baals, the idols of the nations, which wanted this master-slave relationship with man. It was the Baals and the Ishtars who wanted the master-slave relationship. Like I just said, the devil allures to enslave. This is what these deities wanted, the master-slave relationship with man, but not the Lord. He wanted a love-based, commitment-based relationship with his people. It was totally different. The foundation was totally different. Chet, mommy is teaching. Chet is trying to get on camera right now, and I see him, and he's climbing all over the top of the cage. So moving on to Hosea chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. For I will take from her mouth the names of the Baals, and they shall be remembered by their name no more. In that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, with the birds of the air, and with the creeping things of the ground. Bow and sword of battle I will shatter from the earth to make them lie down safely. This, I believe, is pointing towards the, the end times, the end, end times. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice and loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. So when we ask God to do things, we already ask what he wants to do so he will answer. That's being in the will of God. When we want God to do things, that's what happens, okay? So basically, when the relationship is the way it's supposed to be with God. That's why it says the earth shall answer with grain, with new wine and with oil, where the, where the Lord is going to basically give Israel what they ask for because the relationship is in right standing with him. Matthew 6, 33 talks about this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. If you're in the will of God and you're asking within his will, you get the answer. Why am I saying this? Because if we think about it, which one of the pagan gods of the nations ever wanted the love of their followers? Which of them ever asked, do you love me? False gods don't want our love. They want our fear, our obedience, our slave-like sacrifice and devotion. They don't want our love. But the true God, the living God, isn't satisfied with just our fear, our obedience, or even with our slave-like sacrifice and devotion. He wants our love, freely chosen to love him, freely given and enjoyed in the relationship with him. If we miss this, we miss the heart of God's work in us and for us. This is what God was after during this time. The pagan gods, the rulers of the darkness, were after the enslavement of Israel, and they used certain things to do it. And we're going to get into, in a moment, everything that they used, what has transpired, how they are using it today, how it's the same false god, it's the same ruler of the darkness under a different disguise, under a different name, uh, reinvented, basically. So... 
Hosea chapter four, we're going to jump to chapter four, because this is where we're going to get into the meat now that we've built this basis. So you understand what was going on in Hosea's time was the same as what's going on in our time. For Hosea chapter four, verses two, verse three, I'm using the New American Standard Bible for this verse. There is swearing, deception, murder, stealing, and adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns, and everyone who lives in it languishes, along with the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky and also the fish of the sea disappear. Isn't that interesting? Because we just had that train derailment, and they found dead fish everywhere. Um, the birds of the sky are being affected. Uh, so this is what he's saying is the swearing and the deception and the murder and the stealing leads to death. The wages of sin are death. So this is what this is talking about, the basis for this verse. Hosea chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, it goes on. Harlotry, wine and new wine take away the understanding. My people consult their wooden idol and their diviner's wand informs them for a spirit of harlotry has led them astray and they have played the harlot departing from their God. The Hebrew word for harlotry is Zana, Z-A-N-A-H. It is not the word used to indicate a single act of adultery. Instead, it means sexually wanton, meaning something done repeatedly as a way of life. Ultimately, it is understood spiritually to signify idolatry. So Hosea chapter 4, verses 11 through 12 defines it in this council from the wooden idols and their staff informs them for the spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray and they have played the harlot against their God. So by linking Zana harlotry with wine and new wine, okay, God is showing that this spiritual harlotry has an addictive power. It has an addictive allurement to it. It, what does it want to do? Enslave the heart. Remember, these pagan rulers of the darkness don't want the love of the people. They want to enslave them. So they're after enslaving the heart. And this illustrates that this faithless spirit bends the heart to obey its desires. And in the process, it destroys discretion and understanding. Interestingly enough, this is why I think Psalm 119 talks about constantly meditating on God's word, constantly meditating on it and doing it to develop faithfulness because this spirit has such an alluring power to it that it can very easily deceive if you are not anchored in God's word. So we have this spirit of harlotry, right, in Hosea's time which enslaves the heart. So the spirit of harlotry, what does it want to do? It wants to enslave the heart, which then it can will to do what it wants the people to do. So if we think about it, when Joe Biden said, there is a battle for the soul of the nation, let me reword that. There is a battle because a spirit of harlotry wants to enslave the heart. The soul and the heart are connected. And when he said that, this is what I thought to myself. Well, 
if the Lord can speak through the mouth of an ass, meaning a donkey, he can maybe speak through the mouth for a moment of Joe Biden because he was giving away what this spirit was after, the heart, the soul, to enslave it. So there is a battle. It is still going on for the soul of the nation. It's not decided yet. It is still going on. It's the spirit of harlotry that operated back in Hosea's day that is active in enslaving this nation and completely attempting to shatter the bond and covenant it has with Almighty God. What is this spirit of harlotry? Who is this? Let, let's introduce some of you to Ishtar. False goddess of love, fertility, and war, and more, and we'll get into that. So she's known as Ishtar, she's known as Inanna, she's known as Asherah, she's known as Aphrodite, okay? Uh, and also known for being the goddess of war, sexual love, fertility, and she even gets involved in the political arena, and we'll get into that, okay? She's associated with also with divine law and political power. Uh, she was originally worshipped under the name Inanna in Sumer, uh, and then they basically, the Babylonians and the Assyrians, um, worshipped under the name Ishtar. She was also known as the Queen of Heaven, and we're going to get into why this is so significant. Um, and she was also, let me see here, associated, they associated her with the planet Venus, um, with with the lion, with the eight-pointed star. Um, her husband was known, um, Baal was her counterpart, but you had also Tammuz that was in there as well, and we'll get in who Tammuz was in a minute, okay? So basically, this spirit, is associated with trying to completely prostitute first spiritually a nation and physically as well. Okay, so the Babylonians worshipped Ishtar as the virgin, the holy virgin, the virgin mother, queen of heaven. They would say, they would say she was exalted, that there was none like unto her. This is what they would do. So, interestingly enough, that this particular ruler of the darkness wore a crown and was related to Tammuz, who was sometimes portrayed as her son. More so her son, because it became that Baal was her counterpart, okay? And we'll get into that also. So, the weird thing is, and I'm going to tie this to the Super Bowl, but I'm going to talk about this now. The Air Force. Now, we know Satan is the prince of the power of the air, right? Okay. The Air Force has this Medal of Honor. It has a depiction of the Statue of Liberty on it. There is a description of what this metal represents. And this is what it says. In 1965, the Air Force Medal of Honor was created and it replaced the Minerva portrait with the head of the Statue of Liberty. Lady Liberty has a pointed crown instead of a helmet and she, a pointed crown, 
and she does she does stand for lib- liberty, although she is derived from the imagery of Semiramis, wife of Nimrod, and queen of Babylon. Semiramis was famed for her beauty, strength, and wisdom, and was said to have built the famous Hanging Gardens of Babylon. She purportedly reigned for 42 years after taking control from Nimrod. Now, Semiramis is connected to all of this. So the symbol that is supposed to define our freedom, really the French took an ode uh, and borrowed it from Semiramis with the pointed crown um, and everything that has to do with it. Who was Semiramis uh, and why is she related to Ishtar and why are we speaking about this? Okay. We have to go back to the Tower of Babel for this, to understand who Semiramis was, how this got involved with Ishtar, uh, and what we're talking about. According to various legends, Semiramis became pregnant after engaging in an adulterous affair while married to Nimrod. Now, this is actually written in ancient texts that, that were from other civilizations. Around this time, Nimrod dies a violent and untimely death. In an effort to retain power and to hide her misdeeds because she had an affair, Semiramis, by the way, Semiramis was a prostitute. Keep this in mind also because we're talking about spirit of prostitution. Semiramis makes a most audacious claim. She publicly declares that upon Nimrod's death, he has been resurrected as the god of the sun. Uh, as the go- as the sun god, Nimrod used his rays to miraculously inseminate Semiramis with a child, so basically by immaculate conception. This child was thus considered to be divinely conceived. The child's name was Tammuz, which she claimed was the reincarnated Nimrod. Thus, Semiramis was both Nimrod's wife and mother. After the scattering that occurs at the Tower of Babel, this story of the miraculous conception of this child disseminated throughout the world and led to the rise of the various birth, death, rebirth cults that are littered through history. These mystery religions of the future generations adopted different names for Semiramis and her child, Tammuz. So, Semiramis becomes known as the queen of heaven. What is she doing? Oh, it's Chet. Okay. So, Semiramis becomes the queen of heaven. Ishtar was known as the queen of heaven, okay? So Semiramis becomes the queen of heaven who was also known as Ishtar. This goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel in which was birthed the mother and divine son was birthed and spread across the earth, okay? So this is where the enemy tries to hijack this and birth this uh, and and then it was pushed into the earth when what happened at Babel happened and God confused their language and scattered them. I'm going to show you a depiction of De- Semiramis that they have because it looks eerily similar to others being worshipped. And so this picture of Semiramis that we have uh, with her, oh, that's the, yeah, that's the picture of Ishtar. That's Semiramis. Look at that portrait of Semiramis, and you tell me what that looks like, because I can tell you what it looks like to me. 
that looks like the mother and divine son statue that we see in the Catholic Church. So, uh, you know, I, I just find that very interesting uh, that th th this is her depiction. And if you notice, she's got, they have her having the fin of a fish. So if we think about other depictions in the earth right now, so they have her as the body of a human and she's got the tail of a fish. Who else do we know kind of as the body of a human and the tail of a fish? The Starbucks logo. Did This is no coincidence either. This comes from this same spirit of prostitution. This comes from Semiramis to Ishtar. Okay, this is where this comes from because it's the body of a, of a, of a human woman and the tail of a fish. Uh, Dagon, one of the Philistines' main gods, was the same way. He had the half body of a human and the half body of a fish. So going on, basically, other narratives portrayed the queen of heaven, Ishtar, in a, as, as a petty deity who, de who eventually destroyed all of her lovers and often acted in ways that appeared to contradict her role as a divine protector of justice. She was known as the divine protector of justice. Now, we're going to tell you why in a little while this is so important. In addition to her ferocity, um, there's a number of narratives that portray her as politically cunning and deft at using her intellect to gain allies or outmaneuver her opponents. So interestingly enough, this ruler of the darkness was able to transcend sociopolitical boundaries and Mesopotamian culture to be worshipped by almost every civilization in the region. And she was often referred to as the queen of heaven. And she had multiple temples across Mesopotamia in cities such as Ur and Nineveh. Now we're going to get to Nineveh in a moment. The Assyrians were notorious for their cruelty and idolatry. This is also in Nahum chapter three, verse 19. And their capital, Nineveh, contained many temples, including one to Ishtar, the Assyrian goddess that some scholars believe was the namesake of Nineveh. So in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 36, and Isaiah 37, 37, Nineveh is depicted as the center of the Assyrian empire and home to King Sennacherib. Uh, and he led many campaigns against many nations, but he failed to take Jerusalem due to the Lord intervening. This is when King Hezekiah um, and his advisors got before the Lord and Isaiah came in and gave the word of the Lord and the Lord protected Jerusalem because why? They had a God-fearing king on the throne. This is when the Sennacherib sent the Rabshakehs, um to basically taunt and try to entice the people saying, if you come and worship my gods, a.k.a. Ishtar, we'll give you prosperity. We'll give you vineyards. We'll give you this. This is how this spirit allures, the spirit of prostitution. It arises to allure using prosperity to do it. Now, Nineveh is where the prophet Jonah was sent after being swallowed by an enormous fish and spit out three days later because he didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place. He was sent there. I think he spoke eight words about Nineveh being destroyed. Why? Because the hub of Ishtar was there. This destructive spirit 
was there. It was the hub. And so basically they all put on sackcloth. They put sackcloth on the animals. They repented before the Lord of all of this, uh, what they had done. And the Lord revent, uh, relented on his destruction of Nineveh. Jonah actually got mad at the Lord for re for actually relenting. He wanted to see Nineveh completely demolished and destroyed for what they have done. So Nineveh was like the hub, the center of Ishtar's wickedness. Okay. That area was, and that is a very profound reason that the Lord wanted to destroy it because it was the hub of this worship. It was where it was the breeding ground for it. It was where it was spreading its seed from was there. They had allowed themselves to be totally taken over by the spirit of harlotry, AKA Ishtar, who's also a destroyer, a manipulator, a liar. We'll get into all of that uh, and do its bidding. New York city is becoming Nineveh. And we'll get into that in a bit and why, but we're watching this begin to happen because the spirit of prostitution wants the, not only the whole nation, but it wants to have its hubs. And we'll get into why it's attempting on New York in a little bit. So Ishtar, let's go back to Ishtar here, was also looked to in matters of war. Okay. So she was also sought after for matters of war. Um, they would call on her to ensure that enemies of the state would suffer disaster in war. Um, along with her political influence, her role um, as, a as a liminal deity gave her unique authority over the cultural roles and boundaries of Mesopotamia society as well. Corresponding to Ishtar's own ability to transcend categories, the goddess of love enabled her followers to defy listen to what I'm about to say here, or even redefine social boundaries, redefine social boundaries, woke culture, woke came from this spirit of harlotry, redefining social boundaries, particularly those related to gender roles. Men who became priests of Ishtar known as Gala would sometimes assume non-binary gender roles dress in women's clothing and were allowed to engage in homosexuality. You want to know where this comes from? It was bred in the temple of Ishtar. You want to know what happened? Ishtar reinvented herself, came back into this culture, helped create the woke culture so she could transcend these social boundaries and make non-binary gender roles acceptable. You know what, you know what that is? That is all the prostitutes in the temple there. That's what they did. The priests and the prostitutes of that temple, it, this is the stuff that they did. Mesopotamian societies even depended upon Ishtar for their main source of food and agriculture. Now let's get to why this all matters because now it, it's that we have the spiritual harlotry that is attempting its entrance in this nation uh, to grip and possess the soul of the nation, to, to enslave the heart of the nation. So yes, it's a, it's a battle for the soul of this nation. It's only a battle for the soul of the nation because this nation has a lot of influence all over the world. So it just doesn't want this nation. It wants to enslave this nation to use it as its slave to do its bidding all over the world. So let's go back to non- binary gender roles. 
redefining gender roles, redefining the order God had made them male and female. The rainbow flag, the pressure bearing down on schools and churches to accept a false worship and ideology that was created by the sins going on in Mesopotamia by a highly destructive spirit that possessed and molded a highly toxic pagan people. This spirit thrives on creating trophies and showpieces that are nothing more than slaves to its agenda. Yes, these trophy pieces are like the temple prostitutes is what they are. These people are slaves. They are captives to this spirit. They are the temple prostitutes alluring. Remember the word alluring, how the enemy allures those to come into agreement and engage in the harlotry the spirit thrives on because it creates soul ties, which give legal entry for bondage and enslavement. So let's go to the Grammys now. Sam Smith, non-binary. The horns on the head. First of all, let's take a look at Ishtar for a minute, a picture of her, because she has what looks going up here to be horns on her head. So if you if, if you look at the top here, the way her top is kind of, it looks like she's kind of got horns on her head and she's got these long claws for feet. Yes, we blocked out some of it because I just didn't think it was appropriate to, to show. So our team nicely blocked out parts of this picture. Okay. So we have this, Sam Smith, non-binary, and we all know that what happened at the Grammys was horrible, but it is nothing more than the temple prostitutes performing for money for Ishtar. This is what this is, redefined and reworked for modern day. The temple prostitutes performing outside the temple, and I think we have we have uh, news articles that show this. Yep, here we go from a slam sponsored by Pfizer. Well, they're into sorcery too, so it it it, it would uh, be fitting that they work together. So I know they talk about the devil horned hat. They performed unholy. And he considers himself non-binary. If this is not the temple of Ishtar and the temple prostitutes performing for money being thrown in their lap, I don't know what is. Because this is what it is. It was reworked and reinvented so the modern day society would accept this ancient ruler. This ancient ruler is coming back with a vengeance, okay? It was evicted... Um, at the time, it was beginning to get evicted when the church was birthed, and it was evicted from many areas, and it hates freedom, and it loves enslavement, and it had its eye on America. And so now they're setting up the temples with the temple prostitutes who are non-binary performing for money. And this is what's going on. Now, to go further into this, Ishtar's counterpart was Baal. This is important because Baal and Ishtar went together, or Baal and Asherah, okay? Israel knew them as Baal and Asherah. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 28 through 29. 
And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was passed and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. Okay, this is the part in First Kings where Elijah has gathered the 400 prophets of Baal and the 450 prophets of Asherah or Ishtar. And... He had them prepare their bull and them cry out to Baal first. And what did it say they did? They cut themselves. Now, I started referencing on Grace Out Loud this part of 1 Kings. Uh, And then I heard a pastor, a local pastor over the weekend, uh, talk about this particular part in 1 Kings. And I went, oh, my goodness, that matches what we started talking about on Grace Out Loud. So they cut themselves. For Baal, they and Asherah, because they were crying out both, right? We had the 400 prophets of Baal and the 450 prophets of Asherah, and they were crying out to Baal and Asherah or Baal and Ishtar. But they, what did they do? They cut themselves. They mutilated themselves, trying to get these two to answer them. What are they encouraging the young to do today? Cut and mutilate their parts to become the opposite sex to cut themselves, to mutilate themselves. This is no coincidence either. This all goes back to this pagan civilization worship and the temple of Ishtar and the temple of Baal. And they work together. They're known as counterparts and they work together. So this ruler of the darkness that caused Israel to fall, one of them, right? We have Baal, Ishtar, Molech. So this ruler of the darkness that caused Israel to fall has reinvented itself and is making a full court press in America, especially on the young and impressionable. That is why this spirit raises up figures in bondage like Sam Smith to influence them and to lie to them, showing them that acting in this detestable way is not only socially acceptable, it will make you prosperous. That's what That was the allure of the temple prostitutes, that if you throw money in their lap and do an immoral sexual act, that you will become prosperous. That's the lie. Ishtar has repackaged the lie and fed it to a modern-day America. Second point, the temple prostitutes were there for those to throw money in their lap and engage in activities of a sexual nature, which in turn they were taught would make them prosperous, which I just said, which would cause the land to have rain and cause the land to prosper as well. What is touted in schools to little children on TV, at the Grammys, right? At the, <coughs> even at the Super Bowl, that engaging in these activities of this kind of nature is not only okay, it will make you prosperous, like Sam Smith, like Rihanna, like the Kardashians, like so many others that these spirits put on display. Money being thrown in their lap to promote things of a sexual nature and encourage it because it's okay and it'll make you prosperous. This is the same lie, okay? This goes all the way back to the ancient pagan nations, and this spirit has been looking for vengeance ever since. So let's get to Semiramis Ishtar in the Super Bowl now. So first of all, 
The Super Bowl kicks off its competition by a flyover by the Air Force. Now, what I had read above about the Air Force has a Medal of Honor. I'm going to reread the description. According to the description for the Air Force Medal of Honor, the Statue of Liberty represents Semiramis, wife of Nimrod and Queen of Babylon, which would be quite a revelation in Christian America and indeed to Christians all around the world because the Statue of Liberty is an international symbol and it is not widely known that it has pagan meaning. Now, the Statue of Liberty does have a pointed crown and Semiramis or Ishtar is talked about as having the same. So interestingly enough, the Super Bowl begins with a flyover by the Air Force, always. Now, going on, you have during the halftime show, Rihanna, okay? A pregnant woman dressed up in all red, revealing her pregnancy while being elevated high up while it appears herself and these dancers are being levitated and elevated. What went on with Semiramis? She became pregnant and then claimed it was by immaculate conception because she was trying to elevate herself and that child who would become known as Tammuz, the divine son, and Semiramis, the queen of heaven. Now, we showed you the depiction of Semiramis um, and how that ties in. But it it is no mistake that during that halftime show, the pregnancy is revealed while elevating her to almost the top of the stadium. That is not an accident. That has much deeper meaning than people think. And that entire performance, she was being elevated and lifted while pregnant. Okay? This this is no mistake, and this does have ties back. I was talking to Barbara about this, too. This has ties back because she was mentoring, she was mentioning Semiramis to me and what she saw with the Super Bowl halftime show. So the fact that the Grammys and the Super Bowl take place close to each other, and we see these things going on is no accident. We see the full court press this spirit is trying to make in the nation, what it's trying to make socially acceptable, that it's got the temple prostitutes out, okay, um, performing and making it acceptable and showing people that you can be prosperous this way. So let's go to New York City now, where they just recently put a statue above, elevated the courthouse. So they elevated this eight-foot-tall gold statue above the courthouse, and there's a picture of it right there, okay? Now, interestingly enough, the this is a mockery, I'm telling you, because the braids are weaved like a ram's horn. So they're really making a mockery of God with this, first of all. But we're going to get into what's going on because these things are all happening close to the same time. That's no accident. That's why the spirit of prostitution is attempting to set up hubs and take over the nation. Now, the artist or exhibit, the name was used Hava, associated with the statue. H-A-V-A-H. And it means uh, to be in the sense of existence. So just to be. 
because the spirit just wants to be and continue to be everything it wants the people it enslaves to be. So the feet on this figure, if we take a look at the image of Ishtar and her feet, see her feet, she's got these claw-like feet or these feet that are really long and they don't look like feet. Well, if we take a look at that image and then we look at the collar around Ishtar's neck because she's got a collar around her neck. And then we go to the gold figure. Now, I don't know if we have a, a full picture of her, but what happened is the feet of this figure looks like this long claw-like uh, along the similar lines of, I, actually, I can share my screen because I have one of her. I think I have one. And we actually have an article we want to show you too. But maybe I can share my screen and show you this so you can see the feet. I actually have it in one of the news articles, the feet of the, of the statue. So we'll see if Nicole can find that. And then she, I'm sure she'll put up when she finds it. There it is. Okay. Um, okay. So the feet of the statue right here to the right, as you could see, it's got these long claw like feet, just like in the image of Semiramis. So this feet, and it has a long little I don't know what you want to call it, collar going down its chest. Semiramis had the collar on her chest and she had the long claw-like feet. This figure has the same. Now, the figure that was put on top of the courthouse, this is what I mean by doubling down. The same golden statue, 16 feet, actually 18 feet tall, was put inside Madison Square Park. And then they took an eight-foot-tall figure of the statue that was then put atop the New York City courthouse next to Moses. The, so the statue was elevated to be next to Moses, who wrote down the Ten Commandments, the law of God. This is no accident. So there was not one, but two of these statues planted in New York City. And I mean planted. One next to Moses and then one at the Madison Square Park. Now, they put it atop the New York City courthouse, which represents the law. That's what the court represents, the law. She has elevated herself above the law and try to place herself next to Moses, the law of God, right? Because Moses writes the law of God. So what did Ishtar represent? She was revered as an arbitrator of justice in Mesop Mesopotamia. She also was associated with aspects of sex, fertility, and political power. So the main symbols associated with her were the lion and the eight-pointed or 16-pointed star. Eight points. Eight-pointed star. Eight-foot-tall statue. 
placed atop the courthouse. There's a commonality here. So first the Arch of Bale. Yep, there's the one in Madison uh, Square Park right there. So you could see the feet really well there. They look like these claw-like feet, the same as in the depiction of Ishtar. And she's got the collar on, and Ishtar wore a collar as well. This is not an accident. So this was the 16-foot-tall figure, and then you have the 8-foot-tall figure who was placed atop the courthouse. So first the Arch of Baal was placed in New York City, and now his counterpart, Ishtar, is attempting to now assert herself above man's law, because she's treats atop the courthouse, and trying to put herself as an equal to God's law and rival God's law. Why New York City and why New York? A few reasons. In 1970, three years before it was decriminalized for the entire United States with the Supreme Court's decision of Roe v. Wade in 1973. So in 1970, that battle took place uh, for Roe v. Wade. And so... I believe that's when it started, was in 1970. Ishtar is associated with fertility. So this is number one. The battle for abortion started in New York. Number two, in 1838, the New York legislator declared something, and this is what they said in 1838. In all countries, some kind of religion or other has existed in all ages, no people on the face of the globe are without a prevailing national religion. With us, it is wisely ordered that no one religion shall be established by law, but that all persons shall be left free in their choice and in their mode of worship. Still, this is a Christian nation. 9900s if not a larger proportion of our whole population believe in the general doctrines of the Christian religion our government depends for its being on the virtue of the people on that virtue that has its foundation in the morality of the Christian religion and that religion is the common and prevailing faith of the people this is the new york legislator there are, it is true, exceptions to this belief, but general laws are not made for accepted cases. There are to be found here and there, the world over, individuals who entertain opinions hostile to the common sense of mankind on subjects of honesty, humanity, and decency. But it would be a kind of republicanism with which we are not acquainted in this country, which would require the great mass of mankind to yield to and be governed by this few. Listen to what the New York legislator is saying. It is quite unnecessary to enter into a detailed review of all the evidences that Christianity is the common creed of this nation. We know it and we feel it as we know and feel any other unquestioned and admitted truth. The evidence is all around us and before us and with us. We know, too, that the exceptions to this general belief are rare, so very rare that they are sufficient only like other exceptions to prove a general rule. That was the New York legislator of 1838. Not only declared this is a Christian nation, but said they are we are not to be governed by the few that disagree with us. We're meaning we are not to be governed by the minority. They were saying it right here. The New York legislator of 1838. 1838, the year, has two eights in it. 
If you add them, you get 16. The first golden statue was 16 feet tall. The second golden statue atop the courthouse was eight feet tall. This is not a coincidence. This is not a coincidence. These ancient false gods have been attempting to unravel New York since, uh, well, they've been attempting to unravel New York for a very long time for their agendas and make it a hub and a breeding ground for such to be spread out like seed across the nation. They are utilizing New York for setting the trends, financial, sexual, spiritual. New York is most definitely one of their hubs, especially for the eastern part of the nation. It is not an accident or it is no accident this string of events are happening. It's an attempt at a hub at Nineveh all over again. This is where we can take a stand or be like, this is, this is the point we're at. We take a stand or we can be like the 12,000 pastors in Germany who said they would remain neutral and see what happens as Hitler rises to power. 12,000 remain neutral. Only 3,000 stood their ground. We still have a voice and we have the authority of the believer through Christ Jesus, and we need to petition the Lord. We, in this, we have to petition the Lord to issue judgment against the spirit, to tear its high places down. As with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, it's looking for a home now, and it has ventured back to where the battle began in New York. So this is why this is happening. And you see these things happening across the nation in close proximity to each other. This is the spirit of harlotry in Hosea's time. Ishtar, it's the same spirit of harlotry now that has redefined and created wokeism and created non-binary and created these things and fed it to willing individuals that decided to become the temple prostitutes and tout the agenda of this ruler of the darkness. This is what is going on. And there is a reason God has me planted in New York and he has not permitted me to move. The Lord has not given me the okay to move out of New York. You know why? Because people with the prophetic office have to be planted in strategic areas all over the nation for what we see happening. Um, and this is why in the middle of all of this, we see what's happening at Asbury and we're going to get into that. But Asbury means a fortified place. This is no accident because there has to be a catalyst for true repentance and renewal and a returning and a revival. And Asbury is the beginning and the catalyst. I think that is going to begin to spark more in this nation. So it turns, but the, the high places of this spirit have to be torn down and the temple prostitutes put out of business because that is how the temple kept itself open and that worship kept going on and they lured Israel in. It allured Israel, this spirit of harlotry. What does a prostitute do? It allures, it allures through the flesh people in. The spirit of harlotry has been alluring the people of this nation in to enslave them, to enslave their heart, to vex their soul, and to try to completely control this nation, to use it to spread its seed worldwide.
okay? Because much comes out of the United States and goes into the world. The gospel, one of the biggest proponents of the gospel around the world has been the United States. No wonder this spirit wants this nation. So we have to recognize when these things go on, go back to scripture. Sometimes there are parallels. Sometimes there aren't parallels. In this case, between Hosea's time and now, there are most certainly parallels. In fact, God went as far to tell Hosea to marry a prostitute, to show him how he felt. The Lord had Hosea do that to show Hosea, this is how I feel every time Israel keeps running out on me and committing harlotry with these pagan nations and these false gods. And Hosea actually married a prostitute that ended up cheating on him. She ended up, I think her name was Gomer. In it, I, was her name Gomer? I'm not sure. I have to double check that. She ended up in enslavement. Hosea buys her back. So she ends up getting enslaved by the very individual she was committing the acts with. And Hosea has to go and buy her back. And then she lives in his house, but their marriage is not restored for a good long while until she completely repented and turned from her ways. So right now, we are kind of looking at the same thing. The Lord... wants to hedge up the way of the United States with thorns to make it very uncomfortable because the United States has run out and committed harlotry with these rulers of the darkness. And now the Lord has to go try to buy them back. Just like in the book of Hosea, right? Because we are on the verge of being completely enslaved. We still have a voice right now. I suggest we use it because the 12,000 pastors in Germany didn't want to use it. And we have a voice and we have the capability to use that voice right now. And we have the boldness of the Lord and we have the authority of the believer. And I suggest we use it because it is almighty God in his word that sets the standard, not this pagan false God. And people have allowed this pagan false God to set the standard in their homes, in their children's lives, in the school district, in their corporations, in their families, they have allowed this pagan false god, this ruler of the darkness, to set the standard. And we need the Lord to break that standard, to, to enslave that spirit and send it packing, basically, because that's what we need for things to turn in this nation. That is what we need. We have to identify what's going on here and then pray to the Lord accordingly and use our voice accordingly and point all of these things out because a lot of people don't understand the correlation of what's going on and that this spirit has deceived them and their children and has them wrapped up in so much bondage it has become generational it is time to break that in this season and I believe this nation is going to turn. However, I believe this spirit has made a full court press and given it everything it's got to try to completely enslave this nation. This is the season where we either break free or we go completely into bondage. This is the season. It's right now. 
So we need to pray. We need to be armored up. We need to be anchored in his word and using it and speak it like we mean it because this is living and active. And this spirit isn't afraid of go away or the word no. What trembles it is using the name of Jesus Christ and knowing your authority through Christ Jesus, knowing the spiritual laws and the rules of engagement. That's what makes it tremble. The praise of the saints going up to almighty God is what, and uh, you know, of his children of the saints going up to almighty God is what makes this spirit tremble. This is a spiritual war that is putting physical consequences into the earth that is raising up physical trophies that is setting up physical hubs, but it is a spiritual ruler and war first that is setting these things up in the natural. And that's how we have to see it. That's how we have to pray. And that's how we have to recognize and understand this. When this is happening, it's all happening simultaneously for a reason, because one of the things this spirit does that's so cunning is it bombards. It completely bombards and comes after every aspect. It is highly manipulative and destructive, and it will bombard. And in order to apply so much pressure, that what it's after, it enslaves. So we have to understand that. And I know Jonathan Kahn gets into some of this too in his book, Return of the Gods. And as I was watching all of this transpire, I had to talk about it and I had to do a teaching on it. And when the Lord told me to go back to Hosea first and take a good look, and I saw what was in the book of Hosea, I knew the, I, I just knew I was on to something with the Lord, praise God. And so it, it went from there. So I pray that this ministered to you. It maybe opened your eyes to things you didn't know, that it helped you connect the dots. We are going to get into Asbury and why it is so important that this is even going on in the midst of all of this. Uh, because it is, it is important and it's crucial. And we'll get into that later on in the week, but we're at an hour and 21 minutes right now. And we've gone through about 12 pages of notes. So I think this is where we're going to end tonight. Uh, we give all glory to God. We praise the Lord that he even allows us to do what we do. We will put the notes up on the blog for you. Amanda Grace, the number for him.blogspot.com. Uh, and they'll be up over the next few days. So God bless everyone. We're going to, we're as always at the end, we're going to put up uh, what we normally put up when we are finished with the broadcast. I will tell you too, that the, I, I, I wear it and I have to tell you something. It is an incredible difference. The QE strong patches that are in the commercial. I have to tell you are amazing. I put one on almost every day, the pain patch. I have to tell you, it helps me tremendously because I still suffer pain from what was left over from what happened to me. So I still fight, you know, every now and again, bouts of pain. This helps me tremendously with that. Uh, so I wanted to tell you that not only have I used them, but uh, I have staff members that have continued to use them and they go, wow, this really works. It does. So I just wanted to tell you that I'm personally using it uh, and it has made a big difference 
in the pain levels in my body when I get those bouts. So praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. There it is. Yep. QEPain.com forward slash ARC, or you could go to QEPain.com and use promo code ARC. Thank you, everyone. God bless. Have a wonderful evening. Armor up according to Ephesians 6. Anchor yourself in the word uh, and walk in the will of God in this season. We love you. God bless. Hello, everyone. This is Amanda Grace, and I wanted to tell you, if you are interested in where you should invest financial matters, if precious metals, if gold and silver is something that you should invest in or should be a part of your portfolio, please go to bh-pm.com. That is bh-pm.com. Beverly Hills Precious Metals, Andrew Sorcini, who has been on Art of Grace before, he loves to answer our viewers' questions, is more than happy to guide you and to answer your questions and to help you in those financial matters. So please go to bh-pm.com today. Thank you, everyone. God bless. You want to support an amazing patriot that's doing so much for our country and be a blessing you can go to mypillow.com and use promo code ARK ARK to save up to 66% or sometimes more off of all my pillow products they are so much more than just pillows they have amazing bathrobes they have sheets they have slippers they of course have pillows and they even have dog beds and I will tell you a fun fact noble our pig at the animal sanctuary that many of you know and love has indeed slept on a my pillow dog bed so if you'd like to be a blessing go to mypillow.com and use promo code ARC God bless everyone if you are looking for an excellent doctor if you are looking to get healthier if you are looking for guidance go to Sherwood.tv forward slash Amanda Grace. Dr. Mark Sherwood and his lovely wife, Dr. Michelle, have the Functional Medical Institute in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Both myself and my husband, Chris, and let me tell you, God bless Dr. Sherwood because Chris was a top nut to crack on this. But Chris is finally on board and we are both patients of his. I have to tell you, they have helped us tremendously. They also have an amazing line of products that are excellent for your health and can help you get your health back on track. So if you would like to make an appointment with them or you want to go see uh, what they are all about, what products they have, you can go to Sherwood.tv forward slash Amanda Grace. If you would like to grow your own food with what we see going on right now in the world with not only food supplies, but what they are doing to our food, you can go to amandagracegrows.com. These are amazing hydroponic growers. In fact, we have one in our parrot room, and this is an indoor one we have where you can grow food all year round, actually. Vegetables all year round. And we are doing that, actually, for our birds and our animals at our sanctuary they also have outdoor ones they actually yield 30 percent more and grow the vegetables three times faster so if you would like to learn more go to amandagracegrows.com god bless and i have to tell you something they work 
it is an alternative to big pharma based on quantum physics over 40 scripture verses written into these patches for everything from blood sugar anxiety pain neuropathy to immune system boost dog pain they are very yes. sincere about um, having right. alternatives to big pharma we are a big advocate of natural solutions to help with pain and 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 blood sugar and a host of other issues i yeah. tried the pain patches and yeah. i gave them to my uh vp of operations also ronnie and she said they worked as well she was yeah. quite shocked actually but she said they worked so, and they worked when i used them when you connect it to your body the skin patch changes your brain waves sugar this one is neuropathy i actually have it on and we use this on toby actually because toby's about eight years old and from being paralyzed years ago and the lord miraculously healing him he has a little leftover with his joints and his hips. So we actually give him the doggy pain patches. What was he doing? He was running? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I walked him out and wow, he's boom. And he got power. I said, no way. And I don't know. I said, Amanda, what? What did you do to him? <laughs> So it's good. Hello, everyone. It's Amanda Grace. I'm coming to you today to talk to you about Reawaken America. I have been humbled and honored to be a part of Reawaken America since April 2021, when the first one was had at Rima Bible College in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I have to say, I have watched so many amazing moments happen for the glory of God at Reawaken America. And seeds get planted in the lives of those that are still seeking the Lord. We have seen many people uh, get set free, healed, delivered. Uh, we love to pray over people at Reawaken America. Um, I have prayed with so many uh, amazing people, which include Marty Grisham from Loudmouth Prayer, Pastor Todd Coconado, uh, who also deals in deliverance as well. And it has been uh, an honor and a privilege to pray for so many people, to be able to minister to them, for my husband Chris to be able to minister as well, and uh, for, for Clay and General Flynn to allow me to, to even speak there, to even speak and, and speak what the Lord has to say. People need the word of the Lord in this hour. That is what they need. Uh, and so, Reawaken America has been a chance for people to come and not only hear the word of the Lord um, and hear biblical teaching and be prayed for, but also to get necessary information they need because the word of God says it is the knowledge of the truth that will set you free. Um, and so it's been an incredible experience for us. We hope to see you at upcoming events uh, that are coming up this year. Uh, and we are excited to see you there. God bless everyone.